You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today's sermon, Altitude Training for Warriors. Now, we've all heard the competitive wisdom that if one is going to fight at altitude, one needs to train at altitude. Is this advice correct? Now, we'll come back to that in a moment. First, let's wade through a little science, touch on some myth-busting, do a little truth-telling, and then finally settle on a hack that does indeed seem to do the job we set out to do by altitude training. First, just why are we a bit out of breath as we increase elevation? Well, as we increase elevation, the air thins and our lungs have to work harder to increase the amount of oxygen absorbed through the surface layer of the lungs. This thinning is more to do with air pressure than mere decreased oxygen availability at higher altitude. Uh, just as with working underwater, just below the surface, we feel very little pressure, but the deeper we descend, the greater the pressure until the organism or diving device uh, within uh, reaches the crush depth. The deeper we go, the greater the pressure. On the surface of the earth at sea level, we sit on the bottom of an ocean of air and experience the pressure is 14.7 pounds of pressure per square inch, uh, PSI, as it says on your tire. Like terrestrial anglerfish, we live in this crushing air pressure and thrive in it. As we ascend the ocean of air, the pressure decreases and the tightly compacted mixture of ingredients we use to respirate become less densely packed and our lungs work harder to obtain that which is normally crushed into our lungs on a daily basis. Now, just as with ocean-dwelling creatures, those that adapt to different depths, aquatic or atmospheric depths, evolved adaptive responses to deal with the niche pressures that you live in. Increase or decrease the pressure of water or atmosphere by little, and adaptation takes place. Increase the plus or minus by too much, and you will kill that organism. So, let's say we have a fight scheduled in Denver, Colorado, which is an elevation of 5,280 feet, which is exactly one mile, hence the name, the Mile High City or that we know we have combative operations to conduct in the mountains of Kandahar, which will ballpark at around 3,300 feet. Is it wise to train at a matching elevation to increase our chances of conducting ourselves at our usual sea level prowess? Yes, but it's no guarantee and there are a few caveats. All right, now first, the acclimatization process can take 10 days to two weeks. So showing up a few days before combat, hoping for conferred benefit, well, that ain't going to do the job. We can become adapted to altitude, but it requires time. The adaptation mechanism is the decreased oxygen triggering the production of more red blood cells to absorb what oxygen is present at the given altitude. Now, you've got to keep that process in mind as we'll be coming back to that. But even with acclimatization, around 40% of people will experience some form of altitude sickness above 4,000 meters. And keep in mind, conditioning is not a predictor. This is 40% will experience some form of it, and again, Conditioning is not a predictor. Experienced climbers who have never suffered effects can be struck out of the blue. Account after account will detail this. I myself, I'm no experienced climber, but I often venture to altitude many, many times and no ill effect except once. And then it happened and I'm not going to forget it. I've gone back and uh, it's never happened again. But that one time, yeah, that'll knock you on your ass. All right. 
So increased sea level conditioning does improve performance at altitude. As, increased, uh, as altitude increases, our work capacity decreases. At an altitude of 7,000 meters, human work capacity drops to 40% of output and sharply drops from there as altitude increases. So experienced climbers have recorded taking 30 minutes to cover 100 yards. I mean, that's how much we de uh, we, the entropy affects us. So in short, if your conditioning leaves you breathless with slight tasks at your standard altitude and you're contemplating altitude activities, well, you better get in the training stick, right? So the better conditioned we are at whatever level we're at, we improve our odds, improve our chances at the higher altitude. Again, no guarantee, but it does help. So again, does training at altitude improve our performance? Well, there are three things to keep in mind. One, I repeat, the adaptation process takes time. Two, the adaptation is altitude specific. That is, athletes training at altitude, assuming they will have superior uptake at lower altitudes, thusly increasing performance, well, this simply does not work. So if you're you know, living in some sort of barometric chamber at night, sleeping in this, hoping this is going to improve how you work at sea level, it just doesn't work. Training at altitude is wise if your competition will be at the given altitude, but it confers no benefit at sea level battlegrounds. If this were true, we would expect to see more mountaineers and Sherpas crushing marathons. Three, now, there is a side effect of altitude adaptation. The adaptive increase of red blood cells also fosters an increased viscosity of the blood itself. The vis this is a thickening. This viscosity requires more energy for the heart to pump this sludgy mass, which has a name. It's called the uh, hematocrit, or the packed cell volume. It's throughout the body. So with that in mind, increased adaptation to altitude does not necessarily lead to overall increased performance. Yes, we will absorb oxygen better after adaptation, but the heart's increased work rate with the hematocrit does not necessarily keep a pace. So we're almost working contrary there. So even denizens of high altitude regions can suffer the effects of altitude sickness, which is often due to elevated hematocrit. Signs of this can occasionally be found when you see blue lips or the nail beds have a, a, a blueness to them as the red blood cells sludge the capillaries, reducing blood flow rate. So with adaptation, we may breathe better at altitude, but it does not mean our work rates are commensurately improving. Although we can adapt to altitude over time, we can never match those raised in altitude, particularly several generations of mountain inhabitants. Adaptations such as barrel-chestedness to accommodate larger lungs, larger hearts to pump thicker blood, and more capillary branches to oxygenate distant tissues. Another factor that can affect how well or poorly we perform on a given day at altitude is barometric pressure. Now, high pressure is more favorable as the higher air pressure compacts the atmosphere, increasing the volume of oxygen we intake with each breath. Low pressure works against us. And to surmise that some of those brave stalwart individuals who can climb Everest to make other ascents without oxygen are able to do so because of uh, trekking on good weather days, that is, days with high pressure, whereas low pressure fronts contribute to higher instances of altitude sickness. To gather an idea of just how much high pressure there is on good weather days, consider this. The water levels of large bodies of water at sea level, things around your house, so lakes, ponds, slow-moving rivers, these can be read as lower during a spate of good weather, which are high-pressure days. The high pressure pushes on the water itself, causing an increased capillary action in the soil along the water's edge. The height difference could be as much as three to eight inches. Now, this is one of the training hacks that we use in our indigenous awareness. If you're uh, just by, not after measuring water levels, but just a, a casual glance of knowing your water is usually up here around on this stick right here. Oh, I see it's decreasing uh, over the next few days. I mean, the weather's improving. If we see the water rising and there's not been any rain, we also know that, oh, we're going to have a change to whatever the worst. So we can have hacks that work all over the place. And again, more on that another day. 
So high pressure or good weather equals better rods and altitude performance. So a simple altitude hack is to bunch your altitude trips or hard work around high pressure days. But combat is not always a fair weather endeavor, right? So are we out of luck with altitude training? Well, there is an altitude hack that comes from the tradition of many indigenous peoples of mountainous regions as they move from a standard elevation work to work in a higher elevation. And that hack is overbreathing. Uh, incidentally, you'll also come across overbreathing in uh, one volume of the unloaded conditioning because there's a very interesting uh, concept with overbreathing. It, again, another day. Anyway, overbreathing sounds and looks very much like out of shape huffing and puffing. In some instances, it appears to be you know fervent hyperventilation. Any of us who have played at altitude know that when we get out of breath, particularly if you got people around you, there's a tendency to want to play it cool and trying to compensate by getting control of our respiration, so we feel like we're in good shape when we don't have to breathe harder. So we try to calm ourselves to return ourselves to what our normal rate is at sea level. Well, this is actually the opposite of the indigenous wisdom. Now, is there a scientific backing for this overbreathing practice? Well, consider this. There is an altitude sickness drug called Diamox, which is to be taken before working in altitude, just as one would take Dramamine pre-nausea before getting aboard a sailing craft or small plane. What is Diamox's method of protection? It increases passive respiration. So in summary, to hack altitude... Increase conditioning at whatever altitude you, you train at right now. If one must work at a new altitude, allow time for potential acclimatization. Uh, another one would be hope for fair weather. And start huffing and puffing before you need to huff and puff. Don't try to get calm. Don't keep it in control. Your body knows what it's doing. Anyway, that's it for this one, crew. There's, uh, we're going to expand on this altitude in a, in a future one, but that should uh, be more than enough meat on the bones. Have a good one. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages if you like musics. <laughs>